Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Let's get into the Bible today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to finish up the Beatitudes this morning. Y'all been enjoying the series? Matthew chapter 5, Beatitudes. We're going to read all of it in verses 1 through 12 at least in those Beatitudes. So once you have your Bible open, meet me there and stand to your feet if you're able. Verses 1 through 12 this morning. You got it. Go ahead and say, got it. Text starts in verse 1, and it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These are the very words of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, true persecution. Can you say that? True persecution. We can talk about that, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good God. And God, we thank you for being the first one that was persecuted for us. You didn't do anything wrong, but you took our beatings, our lashings, you took all of our sin on the cross, and we thank you for that. God, I ask right now that you would hide me behind the cross, decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Father, let these folks hear from you and not from me. God, we thank you for you. You're a good God. And it's in your name we pray all these things. And everyone said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Well, there was a missionary by the name of Adoniram Judson, I like to read about this guy. He always encourages me in my faith. He's a brilliant young boy where he learned to read at the age of three years old just to surprise his father coming back from a long trip. He would then go on to attend Brown University at the age of 16, and he would graduate at the top of his class at 19 years old. Then Judson would enter into Andover Seminary in October of 1808 and dedicate himself to the Lord in December. And there was no turning back from that point on. He 
would become the first missionary to Burma, the first American missionary to do so. And in just 12 years, he only saw 18 people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Wasn't necessarily the most fruitful missionary journey, at least in the beginning. And on top of that, he would lose three of his children due to illness. They would die. Then his wife, Anne, would also die in 1826 due to illness. As you can imagine, this would lead Judson into a very deep depression. I mean, he's losing things left and right, losing people left and right. He's not having a fruitful ministry. He's depressed. Then he's able to move on, and he marries another woman by the name of Sarah. And with Sarah, he has, in just 10 years, eight children. Y'all thought, I had a whole lot of children. Y'all, they wasn't playing. Eight and ten years, come on now. But sadly, she would die also. Judson's personal life seemed very desolate. I mean, it reeked with death. People dying all over the place. People that were close to him, he's not having a fruitful ministry. He's in the wilderness of his life. I could imagine him being in this place and saying, God, why have you brought me here? Why are you doing this to me? Why can't I just have a fruitful ministry? Why can't people stay alive when they're around me? What are we doing here? Can't I just go home? But yet, Justin stays faithful to God and is called to Burma. And Justin would die in 1850, but not without leaving Burma with their own translation of the Bible. Over a hundred different churches, over 8,000 believers, and over 160 missionaries, trained pastors, and assistants. See, Judson held on to his faith. He gripped hold of God and the call on his life, y'all, and, and God provided the increase. But I know you're sitting there and you're saying, well, what does this have to do with us today? What does this have to do with me right here today? Hear me, despite your circumstances, despite your persecution, despite trials, despite tribulation, if you call Jesus Lord and Savior, I need you to hear me, then you serve a God who is faithful. You serve a God who's faithful. And I know you may be saying, well, okay, what happened to Justin? How, how is that persecution? How is that persecution? Yes, bad things happen to him. What does that have to do with this text? What does that have to do with persecution, true persecution? If you're asking that question, then most likely it's because you have an incorrect understanding of what true persecution is. Because persecution has nothing to do with the things that happen wrong in your life. But it has all to do with someone trying to live righteous, trying to live right in God's sight. Then they suffer true persecution. Okay, hear, hear me. We, we commonly equate persecution with consequences. And we misinterpret the meaning. So today I want to talk about two things or really two questions I want to answer, okay? Two questions. Number one, what is true persecution? What is true persecution? And number two, why does the text call a persecuted person blessed? Okay, what is true persecution? And why does the Bible call a persecuted person blessed. As we get into this passage this morning, 
Let me remind you, because some of you all may have been away or you, you're not with us or you're not remembering where we are in the text. Today ends the Beatitudes where Jesus is sitting on this mountain. He's preaching, but he's really just talking to his disciples. But it, in the mountain, the acoustics, there's people all around. So people get to hear him that are not necessarily following him. So there's followers of Jesus. And then you got people that are not following Jesus that are hearing him speak. In these first 12 verses on the Sermon on the Mount, he continues to say the word blessed. Y'all see that word blessed? We talked about this quite a bit. The word blessed, and I've continued to say this because I need us to hear this. This is a supreme happiness that's not dependent on your happenings. It's not dependent on what's happening to you or your circumstances. The believer is blessed because of what Christ has done on their behalf. It's not by what you bring to the table. It's not by what's happening around you. You're blessed by what God has done on your behalf already. See, we've taken a look at this, and we've looked at three different words continually throughout the Beatitudes. Y'all remember them? Number one, it was blessed. Blessed represents a person's or individual state. Then you see this word R represents a person's condition. Then the word for, what follows, for represents purpose or meaning. So you got blessed equals state, R equals condition, for equals purpose or meaning. Y'all going to get this talking thing down, okay? This, this is important, okay? I need y'all to pay attention to this. This is important because as I've continued to say, a person's blessing, hence their state, is determined by their purpose or meaning. It's not determined by their condition. And many times we forget this and seem to think we've lost our blessing because our condition looks like it's jeopardizing our blessing. So, so our blessing is gone because I'm going through these things, so I must not be blessed. That's not necessarily the way this works. For example, in this passage, you look at verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see that? In this verse, the person is not blessed because they're being persecuted. That doesn't make sense, okay? I, and let me break this down. I don't think anybody walks around and they're like, I'm so blessed because he just beating my tail left and right. Oh, my God. I'm so blessed because the bill collectors keep calling me. They won't leave me alone. I'm so blessed because they talked about me so bad at work. I had to go in the bathroom and cry, y'all. I'm just blessed today. <laughs> That's not the way this works, right? The person that's persecuted is not saying I'm blessed because I'm so persecuted. The person that's persecuted is blessed because their home is not here, but it's in heaven. That's why they're blessed. Don't miss that. Now, as we look at verse 10, there's a big difference with this verse that I have tried to point out over and over again in the last several weeks. If you remember from week one, We've noticed that verse 3 and verse 10 are a bit different than the rest of those verses in the Beatitudes because instead of the word shall, future tense, like in verse 4 or 5, look at it with me. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Y'all see this? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Y'all see the word shall? This happens in verses 4 through 9, but if you look at verse 3 and verse 10, it says the word is. Now, is is present tense. Hence, there is, is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what this lets us know, as I've said before, it lets us know that God blesses us both now, but also in the not yet. Which means, hear me, therefore, for the believer, the rewards and benefits, yes, you will, you will get some of that here on this earth from God, but really, the, what, what he really wants to give to us is coming in the not yet. 
It's coming when we get to heaven, when we're with him forever and ever. Now, family, this goes back to what I was talking about last week and what Jesus is getting at throughout this whole passage, which is to say to the believer, don't hang your hat on anything in this world. Don't set your sights on all you can achieve in this world. No, don't, don't do that because all that's happening in this world, this whole world is going down, abandoned ship. It's not coming back. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do anything. That does not mean that you should not work hard. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying go home and say, well, I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything because Jesus come back to get me one day. That's not what I'm saying. You still need to work. You still need to do something. But what I'm saying is don't put all your hope and trust in the here and now. This world is not getting any better. And it's truthfully not going to get better until we meet Jesus face to face in heaven. And what this means is that in order to truthfully experience the blessing of being saved, being a believer by Jesus, in Jesus right now, in order to truthfully experience that true blessing right now in the midst of all the craziness around you or around me, it means that I have to keep my eyes set on what's set ahead. I got to keep my eyes set above where there's no sadness, there's no tears, there's no pain, there's no corruption, there's, there's no politics. It's just peace with us and God. That, that's where I have to keep my head. That's where I have to keep my sights because heaven is where home is for the believer. The text says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when reading this particular beatitude, one has to pay attention to the wording. You got to pay attention to the wording and what's the, what the words actually mean, what they're saying, because as I said in the beginning, I think we commonly misinterpret this verse. And what I mean is we commonly misinterpret persecution and what it is and what it looks like. See, when looking at this verse, it says, blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Emphasis on righteousness' sake. So what we have to do before we break this down more is talk about what persecution is and what it's not. See, many times we think of persecution. When we think of it, we think about all the bad things that happen to us, right? That, all the bad things that happen in my life, I'm being persecuted. If I lose my job, it's persecution. If I'm going through financial problems, it's persecution. If my community turns their back on me, it's persecution. If my marriage is on the rocks, it's persecution. Or better yet, the, one, the, the, the Christian slogan that, that I love to hate, you might even say that it's, it's persecution. You may be like, Satan's out to get me, y'all. He's been working on me. He's all in my mess. He's trying to get me down. I mean, that's, that, that, that's my favorite Christian slogan that I love to hate. Now, now hear me. I'm not saying that, that there's no persecution that you're suffering. I'm not saying that we're not suffering from persecution. Things aren't happening in our lives or, or that Satan's actually not coming against you. Yes, he's coming against Christians. I, I'm not saying that that's not true. But hear me. It's not always the case. Could it be? And sometimes it's just your fault. I mean, let's be honest. It's just one time? My point is that everything that happens in our lives is not persecution. I mean, let me rewind the scenarios a little bit. Let's go backwards. I just named this off because some of y'all are like, Pastor, you don't know my life. Nope. I'm being persecuted. No, no, Satan's coming after me, okay? So let, let's rewind that a bit because here's the problem. We're so quick to just point or place judgment someplace else where, or blame someplace else. Satan's doing it. It's persecution in my life, and we don't look at ourselves. 
Now, now some of y'all may not like this, but I got to bring it closer to home. So let's make it plain. If you lost your job, before you go on blame shifting, shifting, take, take a look at your performance. If you showed up late repeatedly, you talked down to your boss over and over again, you just didn't do your job, then, then hear me, that ain't persecution. You deserve to get fired. That's consequences. Let, let's, let's keep on walking through it. I mean, I mean, look, maybe you don't even have a job right now. But yet you're saying, I need money, but you don't want to work a certain job because you feel like it's beneath you or, or you shouldn't do that job. Y'all, I scratch my head on this one because I don't get it. How you need money, but yet the job is beneath you? You ain't got no job, so how you going to be picky? It makes no sense to me. I mean, for real, I mean, it, I don't get it. That's not persecution. That's pride and entitlement. You better get off your butt and do something. Come on now. Y'all can't tell, but I'm passionate about this one. It's one of the things that I, when I'm working with guys and I'm walking through and they're like, I need a job, but I don't want to do this. I'm like, what are you talking about? This, do something. Sometimes you need to work and do something that you may not want to do to get where you want to go. Do it. Work it to get where you want to go. Do something. Sidebar comment, because this seems to be a very prevalent problem, especially with millennials and this next generation coming up. We don't want to work unless it's the dream job or what we want to do, this, that, and the other. My boy Robinson, Alexis, he's here in the church. Y'all hear me talk about him all the time, talking about he can't hoop and all that stuff. He actually can play ball a little bit, you know? <laughs> but I give honor to this brother. I do. Um, I've watched him over the last several years work his tail off. He's a was a foreign citizen, came here, became a citizen of the United States. He became a doctor, worked his tail off to be a doctor, and he didn't stop there, y'all. Listen to this. He, in order to open up his own practice, he worked part-time at UPS during the night shift. UPS, he's a doctor. Worked UPS during the night shift, then he would work during the day as a doctor. So that meant that he worked maybe 8 to 6, 8 to 7, that long shift as a doctor. Then he would go do the night shift moving boxes. There's no glamour in that. Moving boxes at UPS, wake up and do the same thing over the next day. Okay? And on top of all of that, he's helping relatives financially. He's babysitting, paying his own bills, and getting his nurse practitioner degree. Now, hear me. I know this brother didn't want to do all of this, okay? He didn't want to just wake up, I'm going to go UPS, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this happen. But he did it in order to get to where he needed to get to. And now this week, y'all, guess what? He had an open house for his own practice. He got employees. He has a building. Come on now. Go on with your bad self. Now, again, I'm not talking about him to make him some type of saint. That's not it. But sometimes you've just got to work. Satan ain't trying to get you. Sorry, but some of us just lazy. We got a sense of entitlement, and we're prideful. And one of the first things God gave Adam in the Bible, it was not a woman, okay? He gave him a job. He said, go into the fields and till the fields, name the animals, take care of them. Then he gave him a woman. Some of y'all are like, I got to give me a woman. You ain't got no job. <laughs> he, he gave him a job. God wants us to work. Let me keep going because some of y'all are like, okay, pastor, I get the job thing. That's not my thing. Satan's getting me in other places. He's got, he's got me in other places, okay? 
So, so let's keep going, okay? You're having financial problems. Financial problems. Well, let me ask you, do you have a budget that you work from where you control your money and your money doesn't control you? Ooh, it's quiet. You know that car that you bought, you just had to have? Maybe you bought it a couple years ago. You knew you couldn't afford it, though, but you bought it anyway. Those clothes, you know, you bought, man, you know you couldn't afford those clothes, but you bought, you're using your credit card as an emergency fund, and you know you can't pay it off. See, could it be that your financial problems are not persecution, they're just due to you having a lack of stewardship and discipline? Yeah, no, it's tough, right? I mean, I got to keep it real, though. Let's keep going. Marital issues, which don't happen overnight, okay? They happen through months and years of lack of communication, lack of intimacy physically and emotionally, financial problems, failed expectations, which are the devil sometimes, those expectations. And, and, and hear me, yes, Satan does not want marriages to succeed. It, it, the, marriage, the marriage covenant resembles Christ's love for the church, his people. So that's what we get, the visible expression of Christ's love for the people. But, 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 but hear me, every problem is in your marriage, it's not because Satan's just, just trying to get you. It's not. Sometimes it's because two people have not taken the covenant serious, and they have not intentionally been working at what God has called them to do, to love one another. So, so the marriage problems exist. So, y'all, y'all see where I'm going with this? Y- you see where I'm going with this, family? Everything that happens in your life is not a result of persecution or Satan coming after you. Don't miss this. Sometimes Satan doesn't have to come after you because he looks at you and he's like, they already doing my job. Cool, cool. I'm going to let them keep doing it. I'm going to sit over here and watch them keep messing up. Sometimes he's like, I don't have to do anything to you. Persecution is not easily, as easily detected as we think it is. Sometimes we need to do more work discerning what's happening in our lives before we just chop it up and say it's persecution or Satan. See, this passage is talking about persecution that is a result of righteous living and not due to individual sin or tactlessness. That's what persecution is. Don't miss this. Persecution comes from a result of righteous living and is not due to individual sin or tactlessness. Okay, which I know the question is, okay, Pastor D, I get where you're going with this, but they're still persisting in my mind. What is persecution? What does that mean to be persecuted? Well, here it is. The the dictionary says to persecute is to subject someone to hostility and ill treatment, especially because of their race or political or religious beliefs. But the biblical biblical definition of persecution here is, is this. It's not just hostility because of your race or religious beliefs. Biblical persecution has to do with one being treated ill because they're trying to live for God. They're trying to glorify God with their lives, okay? Let me put it this way, because I don't want y'all to misinterpret this. It can be easily misinterpreted. I'm going to tell you about my life a little bit. One of the hardest times in my Christian walk was when I first came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, okay? First came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He is changing my heart. He's changing my mindset. He's changing my desires. I'm, I'm falling deeper in love with him, which means I just want more of Jesus 
Every second, every hour of the day, I'm trying to read this Bible. I'm reading devotionals. I'm picking up theology books. I'm trying to get to know Jesus more and more because I realize what he did for me. So one of the first things I realize when I'm reading the scriptures, I'm like, I got to stop having sex. Okay? So I told my brothers, my friends around me, I'm being real with y'all this morning, okay? I told my friends around me, I said, look, I'm not having sex anymore until I get married. And they looked at me like, what is wrong with you? You dare? You crazy? I'm like, no, no, I, I, no, I love Jesus, and I understand if I do that, I'm not glorifying God with my life. I'm, I, I'm going against his covenants. I'm going against his commandments. I, I'm not doing what he's called me to do. I'm not glorifying him as a son of, of, of his. And say, okay, cool, cool. Well, you just started dating Kaylee. You know, y'all been dating, and she's fine. You got to live with her for a little bit. You know, you got to try the shoe on, make sure it fits a bit, because if you get in there and it's not right, you know, and I'm like, no. As I'm reading the Bible, it tells me that the marriage bed shouldn't be defiled. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean just don't have sex. It means don't act like you married until you actually marry. Don't, don't live like you. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to be real. She's fine. I love my wife. There ain't no way I can live in the house with her, maybe sleep in the same bed, and not do anything with her. That is physically, mentally, and emotionally impossible to do. You notice that I didn't just say physically impossible because you can sin sexually in your mind and in your emotions first. That, that happens before you actually do the do. Y'all know that, right? You, you there before you actually do the do. Y'all, y'all get that? Y'all acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about this morning. Come on now. And see, that's when all the persecution happened in my life. That's when, it fir- when I first realized this because you know what happened? I would get talked about. People thought I was crazy. My family thought I was crazy. People thought I was just this crazy Jesus freak. And I lost a lot of friends. People strayed away from me. They distanced themselves from me. And family, hear me. I wasn't doing anything wrong. All I was doing is reading the scriptures right here and trying to live right in God's sight. Friends, don't miss what I'm saying. The persecution, the persecution didn't come from anything I did. It came from me trying to live right in God's sight. See, when you read about Jesus, I'm, I'm going to keep going because y'all probably like, okay, D, that's you. What, what about other people? Jesus, let's take him. When you look at the Bible, you read about Jesus' life. He took lashes. He took beatings. He took a crown of thorns on his head, nails in each one of his hands and in his feet. He's doing that for the sins that he didn't commit. Jesus had done nothing wrong. He's on the cross. He lived a life. All he did was live a life that nobody had ever seen before. A life without sin. He fulfilled all the commandments. He fulfilled all the prophecies. But yet, Jesus is hung on a cross, persecuted, and gets killed. The disciples, after Jesus dies, let's keep going. He he ascends to heaven. They walk in Jesus' footsteps the same way. They do more than he ever did in his ministry while he was here on this earth. They start churches all over the place. Thousands of people accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. People get healed The church as a whole is flourishing, but yet Peter is jailed, put in jail multiple times. He's beaten with the other people, and 10 of the 12 disciples, guess what? They died a martyr's death, which means that they died just for believing in Jesus. They're persecuted and killed. They didn't do nothing wrong. They just believed in Jesus. Let's keep going. Let's keep going because I don't want y'all to miss this picture of persecution. Paul, the greatest church planner and probably church leader of all time, was billed, was, was, was jailed, he was beaten, he's locked in chains, he's ridiculed, and did nothing 
but live for Jesus. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament, made Jesus' name great, disciple men, women. He did nothing but live for Jesus. Job in the Old Testament was said to be the most God-fearing man of all time. Some of us like to relate our sufferings to Job. Let me tell y'all a secret. Ain't none of us suffering like Job, okay? None of us suffering like this brother. Look, Job was a, was a righteous man. He turned away from evil every chance he could get. God said to Satan of Job in verse 8 of chapter 1 in the book, there's never been anyone like him before, blameless and upright, who fears me and turns away from evil. Then God gives permission to Satan. He said, go ahead and test Job. Go ahead and test him. I bet he won't turn from me. Side note. Hear me, this is why Satan is not always the cause of your problems, okay? He can't mess with you without God's permission, which means he is on borrowed time, don't miss this, until Jesus comes back as the conquering king, okay? He, he, he will be defeated. He is defeated already. You know, he, he's coming back, and he's going to conquer him once and for all. Now, hear me. With that, God's not the cause of your problems because he gives him permission, Satan still is. Satan can't do anything, though, hear me, that God doesn't allow him to do. Now, I know you're sitting there saying, well, why in the world does God allow evil? Why does he allow persecution? Why would he allow this to happen? He's a just, he's a righteous God. He loves me. So why would he do this? One, I'm not God, okay? So I can't fully answer that question because I'm not God. But I will say this. It's true. God allows Satan to roam in this world and persecution to happen so that we will choose God and continually depend on him. Okay? This is how God originally created us. Created us to be intimately connected to him, truly dependent on him and no one else. He never wanted us to suffer in sin. He never wanted us to suffer from persecution. He wanted us in perfect peace with him, to be with him forever and ever, to depend on him for everything we needed. That's what you see in Genesis 1 and 2 when you read it. That's what Adam and, and Eve experienced in the garden. That's what God wanted for us. Then you flip, it, flip to Revelations 21, 22. That's what he wants too. See, Jesus coming back, then everything in between, you know what it is, 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 is us in our sin, it's us in our mess, it's us in our rebellion, and it's God's quest after his people trying to get us back. But Revelations 22 and 21 and Genesis 1 and 2 is what God really wants. But hear me, without sin, without persecution, y'all, we wouldn't see our need for God. So he allows that stuff. So we turn to him. Job, my man, back to him, he's stricken with boils. This is why his suffering is not like him. He's stricken with boils all over his body. He's taking glass trying to scrape them off. He loses his kids. They're all killed. He, his servants, his animals, his livelihood taken away. His wife and his friends, they turn their back on him, but yet he still praises God. Job did nothing wrong, just like the other people I named, but still suffered persecution. Friends, what I'm trying to tell you, if you haven't realized it by this point, is that biblical persecution, as I said before, it, it's a result of righteous living. It's not due to individual sin or tactlessness. But I know the lingering question for us in our minds is, okay, I get that biblical persecution is due, it, it, it's suffering, it's due to me living righteous, but why do I have to suffer? Why, why can't I just live my life 
Why can't I just do what I want to do? I'm called to God. Why, why, if I live righteous, why can't I be blessed that way? Why can't I be blessed with good things? Why, why, do I, why, why is the persecuted person called blessed? I, why? I just want to live the good life. Scripture says, let's look at it, what it says. It says in 1 Peter 3.14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear for them, nor be troubled. Jesus then says in John 15, 18 through 19, he says these words, if the world hates you, look at this, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Last week, we looked at John 16, 33. Let me remind you, Jesus says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, it doesn't say you will have peace. It says you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, in all of these scriptures, there's two common things. Number one, the Christian will always suffer hardship, not because of what they've done, but because they follow Jesus. A man that was hated, that was disliked, and that was killed. See, the only way that someone could possibly not experience persecution is to not be a Christian. Now, that's not true either, though, because everybody still suffers in this world, right? But here's the difference. This brings us to the main difference between the believer and the non-believer that suffers, which points to the second thing we see in the scriptures that we just talked about, as well as verse 10 and 12 of our passage today. Hear me, the Christian, although they suffer, the Christian does not suffer without hope. They don't suffer without hope because as the passage tells us, their reward is in heaven, which, hear me, doesn't mean that they're going to receive something when they get to heaven. The reward is heaven. It's heaven, no sadness, no pain, no murder, no corruption. The scripture says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Emphasis again on is, that's present tense, which lets us know that the Christian can walk around with a smile today with everything going on around them, regardless of all their mess, all their trials and their tribulations, because their hope and their mindset is in, on eternity. I mean, don't miss what's happening here. The Christian can prevail in their walk because they know, as the song says, how deep the Father's love is for them. They know that he died. He was buried. He went to the grave. He got up three days later. He rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, and one day he's coming back to usher in the new heaven and a new earth. The Christian suffers persecution because Christ suffered, but the Christian is blessed both now and not yet forever because they know what awaits them. See, that's the difference in suffering. Everybody's going to suffer, but one suffers with hope and one suffers without. Family, let me end with this because I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this as you leave today. I, I love reading about history. I love reading about history. And, and when I think about suffering and now believing in, 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 in hope right now, Knowing what's ahead of me, y'all, I think about Harriet Tubman. I think about Harriet Tubman and a slave that escaped in the 1800s. But, yes, yeah, she would go back and forth over and over again through the South to take more slaves with her to the North via the Underground Railroad, trying to get more people to freedom. I think about her 
And see, I like to visualize myself, not being Harriet Tubman, but I like to visualize myself with, the, with my boots on and, and following Harriet Tubman, those other slaves behind her. Like, watch this. I mean, they're, they're following her doing the, through this underground railroad to freedom. Hear me, they have no idea where they're going, but they trusted the words of old Harriet, and they followed her through the night. They followed her for days, sometimes weeks at a time. They don't know where they're going, but they're following her words. She says, wait in the water. That means wait a little bit. I'm coming to get you. She says, there's trouble in the water. That means slow down. There's people ahead. We can't go any further. Slow down. They trusted in her words. Y'all not follow me right now. Y'all missing this. They trusted her words, and they kept following her to freedom. Y'all hear me. They had never seen it nor felt freedom, but they knew they were able. If they're able to endure this journey and keep following Harriet, they would be free one day. Family, hear me. I don't take persecution lightly. And I don't think any of you should either. As a Christian, you will suffer persecution, and it won't be because you're doing things wrong. It will be that you're trying to live righteous in God's sight. But just like those slaves that were walking alongside Harriet that suffered for no apparent reason other than the color of their skin and hatred towards them because of that, they knew that if they stayed by her side, they would one day make it to freedom. Hear me, family. You may be suffering right now. You may be going through it. For no apparent reason, there may be things happening in your life, and you're saying, all I'm doing is praising Jesus. I'm doing well. I'm trying to live righteous in his sight. Hear me. Hold on. Hold on. Keep the faith. Keep holding on to his words because one day, as the text tells us, you will be free because the kingdom of heaven is yours. That's the hope we have. I'm getting about five claps, y'all. If I was in a chocolate church, they'd be on their feet. Hear me. Some of y'all walked in here today, and you're really going through it. You have a lot of troubles going on in your life. You feel persecuted from all different ways. You're suffering. You're running after Jesus hard. But it seems like friends are turning their backs on you instead of turning towards you. I mean, you're, you're being ridiculed from every different direction. People have nothing good to say about you, and you haven't done anything wrong. I mean, I mean maybe, maybe you've been running after Jesus, but it seems like your marriage is just hard right now. There's no infidelity. There's no problems. You, you, you haven't done anything wrong, but it just, you're just going through it. Maybe you've been diligent in your finances, working hard at your job, but it seems like you have one financial burden after another just keeps hitting you over and over. You can't explain it. It just keeps hitting you one after another, one after another. Maybe you're, you're running after Jesus, but you're having trouble in your mind, your emotions, your heart. You haven't done anything. It's just you're struggling to keep your eyes on Jesus because of this. Now, hear me. Persecution is real. Hear me. But understand this. The hope that the Christian has in Jesus is real, too. Friends, hold on and keep running after Jesus. Because as the scripture says, for those that are persecuted for righteousness sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen.
time. Father, thank you for this morning. You awesome God. God, I thank you for loving us, God. I even thank you for our persecution. I thank you for the mess that hits us. Because even in that, God, that knows that I, that lets me know that I'm living right. It lets me know that I'm living for you, Lord. But on the other hand, it lets me know that you still have me in your hand and that one day I'll be with you, Jesus. So we don't suffer without hope, God. We suffer with hope knowing that one day we'll be with you. It doesn't mean we won't have good things. It doesn't mean that great things won't happen. But it does mean that we will have hard things happen time to time. And in those times, God, I pray as a church we keep our eyes on you. That we hold on to your word. That we hold on to one another. And we keep striving after you, Jesus. God, I pray for the person in here that's struggling with their faith that may not even believe. But saying, I, 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 I do feel hopeless and I need hope. God, I pray right now that they will call out to you, Jesus, believing in your death, burial, and your resurrection, and know that you want to be with them. You're a good God that loves us, that's continued to chase after us and want us back in your arms, want us back with you since the beginning of time. So, God, I pray that we would never forget that love and that that love would spur us on and drive us to love one another and to love others outside of these doors, too. God, you're good. We give you all the praise and all the honor. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said together, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Uh-huh.